0: And she actually called me just after we had moved here and said, "I was so happy to pay that ticket. They were so nice on the other line." <laughs> and I thought, are, people, that's... people thank our police department for giving them a ticket. You know?
1: <laughs> I'm Rusty Paul, and I'm the mayor of Sandy Springs, and we're in the mayor's office, uh, which looks north from uh, City Springs. How do you define your your role as a resident here? Well, my, my, uh, that's, that's the most important job I have is being a resident. Mm-hmm. But it is, uh, I, I uh, bring the perspective of somebody who lives here and has to encounter this community not as one of its leaders but as one of its citizens and residents. And I have to encounter the traffic, the, uh, the water bills, all the other things that everybody else has to deal with uh, I'm subject to the same, mm-hmm. same challenges. So I approach my job as mayor because I am a citizen, I take the perspective of what do I have to do, what, did, what, what should I be doing in this office that makes life a little bit better for those people who, ha- who face the same challenges mm-hmm. in this community that I do. And so that is what influences my perspective more than anything else. Uh, because I have to experience this community the same way everybody else does. Sure, I don't get a police escort when I leave home in the morning, or if I'm going to a meeting, I get in my car, I put my hands on the steering wheel, and I look at the backside of somebody else's car, just like everybody else does. So uh, that, that, that informs my decision-making probably more than anything else I do, because I do encounter
0: This community just the way everybody else does. Mm. And what do you think, um, I mean obviously now for the last what 12, 13 years we've officially been a city, what do you see for the next you know 10, 15, 20 years? What's the biggest opportunity ahead of us as a city do you think? Well we're still coming to grips with what kind of community
1: we want to be when we grow up. I mean we're still we're just in our adolescence. Absolutely. And uh, we spent a lot of time in the pre formation period talking about what kind of government we wanted, what are some of the policies we wanted to implement, what kind of community uh, did we aspire to create. Um, but that's you know 13 years ago now and we've been kind of updating that, uh, that uh, dialogue as, as, as we go and a lot of the early things that we did like making sure that, that the services were actually delivered and we delivered them well and that people got responded to, they got their phone calls returned. When they had a complaint, even if we couldn't solve it, we at least tried to explain why we couldn't solve it. Hmm. Uh, and so, um, you know, that now we're in the phase of kind of looking longer term and dealing with the question you just asked. What is the, what is the kind of community that we're evolving to be over the next 25 years? When I was first elected, I told, uh my friends uh, who gathered uh, at uh, Jay Christopher's on election night, I said uh, and, I, and I meant this. I care about what you think. I want I want to be a mayor that you're proud of and I really want to deliver the kind of services and do the things that you would be proud of. But more important to me is what are our children and grandchildren going to be saying 25, 30 years from now about the decisions that we make that have the long-term impact on, on this community. And I'm much more attuned in my thinking to the long-term consequences of our decisions. Um, I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama in the 1960s and 70s and I came to understand very early on how important political leadership was. The difference between Atlanta and, and, and Birmingham, my hometown, you know, over 50 years later was the quality of political leadership in the 1960s is still reverberating. Uh, Atlanta has gone on to become, I mean, at that time in the 50s and 60s, Atlanta and Birmingham were the same size, and Birmingham was going faster. Mm. Bad political leadership set that city back uh, decades, still is, is reverberating. Atlanta, different kind of political leadership moved forward. So I understand the importance that the decisions that I make in this office and the council makes and the decisions made in this new building really do have long-term lasting consequences and to the extent that I can you know, you, you know you're, you're looking into the future uh, through a very very hazy glass mm. but to the extent that I can I try to take into consideration what are the long-term implications of these decisions on the, on the long-term viability and health of this community mm. that's why I've gotten involved in things like transit uh, you know whatever transit system is built out I'll probably never be able to ride other than kind of what we've got today but the old adage is when's the best time to plant a tree? 30 years ago? Mm -hmm. Second best time is today? We went 30 years without really doing any planning or thinking about how we move people yet we developed this area uh, and and if you look at the road system here if you took a map of the 1940s and looked at this area you would see we've only built two major arterials since the 1940s, that's 285 and 400. All the rest of these roads are old farm roads that we've adapted to, um, to move a large number of people today. And so moving people more efficiently and more effectively, giving them choices in how they get there so that they don't have to always get in a car to go two blocks, mm-hmm. is one of the things that we're trying to, to work through. It's, it's transit is part of it, but trails and bike paths Uh, trying to figure out how we integrate. We're in a period of amazing technological transformation, particularly when it comes to transportation. How can we design systems today that are flexible enough that will allow future technological innovations to be incorporated into the infrastructure we got? Because we're not going to be able to build a lot of new infrastructure. It's a very mature area. It's very costly to build infrastructure. How can we introduce flexibility so that the infrastructure we have can adapt to new technologies? Those are the kind of things that I spend a lot of time thinking about. Mm -hmm. And looking down the road, I want to make sure we deliver the services that are essential today. I want to make sure that potholes get filled, streets get paved. All those kinds of basic services get done, but I, I see my job as kind of the CEO, and the CEO's job is to look down into the future and see what it is we need down the road, and maybe not get it accomplished, but at least set in motion
0: the planning and the thinking that can kind of get us where we want to go. You mentioned this building here. I, I you know, I think a lot of people, maybe not from this area or- you know maybe even new to the area don't really understand what all this building encapsulates and certainly there are government offices here but um, and city staff and, and so on but there's a lot more going on in this building <laughs> and I told someone yesterday in fact that you know when I look at the calendar it just seems like there's always something going on and that to me is impressive number one but then number two it's it's promising And it, it, you know it's kind of the covenant that we all agreed to. Right. And, and I think that's a, a wonderful sign of, of where we are, but even where we have to go, because this building is, is adaptable to a lot of different yeah. types of events. And uh, for me, just in the last couple of months to see how full that calendar has been is impressive. Well, the, 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 this building,
1: um, it was real clear when we started down this path, and really from the day we started as a city, we had identified this site is the site for a city hall? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a it's Mount Vernon. It's a, it's on a pedestal. Right. It deserves a it deserves a <laughs> statue on top or some kind of artwork. And uh, but it got real clear that once we started the serious planning for this facility, that the community wanted more than just a warehouse for government operations. Mm-hmm. They wanted a place to come together and do what I call building the connective tissue of community. Mm-hmm. We had no place where we could gather as community. We had the lawn uh, at Heritage, which we had the concerts get to see about, you know, thousand, 1, twelve hundred people, and I would sit down in my table, which is near the front, looking back up on the hillside, and see twelve hundred people having a wonderful time, sitting next to people that they probably didn't know, getting to know them. Their kids probably knew each other in school. They were playing. And and it was it was it was building that connective tissue mm-hmm. of community, but we didn't have any places we could do that, and so that was the genesis in my mind when I, when I became mayor of why we built what we built here. Mm-hmm. And it was real clear the community wanted something. There was a hunger for that. I mean, all you got to do is look at the theater. I mean, their pro forma plan called for about five hundred season tickets in the first year. They had to cut the season ticket sales off at four thousand. Uh, so they've had individual performance tickets to sell. Mm. They just got through doing a, a, a elf, mm. uh, and they put on two extra performances and sold them out within 48 hours. <laughs> uh, the events that we've had on the city green, the concerts and the events out there, people walk in from the neighborhoods, and I just look out and say, that's why we built this. Mm-hmm. If you want to know. It's families being together, doing things with their friends. The kids are out there playing. They're seeing their schoolmates. Parents may not know each other, but because their kids are playing, they get to know each other, and there's new relationships being formed. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is a, it, it, it's, it's a building, but it's more importantly an activity center. It's a connection center. It's where we build this larger sense of community. And uh, that's why the theater is important, the small theater, the studio theater is important, the green is important. I tell everybody, we're going to treat you so many ways, you're bound to like one of them. <laughs> uh, and, and I say that, what I really mean is, we're going to have so many different things here that you're, ba- you're going to feel compelled to be able to show up. The goal for me is if every citizen, if 110,000 people, which is what we are today, uh, find a, uh, the absolute, are compelled to come here to at least one event a year, then we've been successful. Mm-hmm. We've created that community magnet that brings people together and makes them have a sense of pride in the larger community, which is very important mm-hmm. in, in the long run to connect everybody. And, and we're a big city uh, with all the challenges of a big city, but we're also in a lot of ways still have that small suburban uh, community feel, mm-hmm. and we need to be able to preserve that, And have, but you've got to have a place where people can come together to be able to do that. We've been doing it in the neighborhoods. We've been doing it around the swimming pool. We've been doing it in the backyard. We've been doing it at the tennis courts. All those places where we come together as, as, as community in smaller mm-hmm. uh, neighborhood level. We needed this larger venue so that we could come together as the larger community and have the sense of pride of being in Sandy Springs, of being part of Sandy Springs, and being part of something that's larger than
0: ourselves. Yeah, there's two things there. The, the first is for any government building to sell out, I mean, you know, you're talking about being a CEO, I feel like that that's kind of reminiscent of a business, right? That's capitalism. That's what ultimately you would love to have, right, is to oversell and sell out as quickly as possible for a building like this or for events like we have here. Uh, and then the second thing, completely the polar 180 degrees from that is that there are rocking chairs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I told everybody that this was going to be everybody's neighborhood, and, and some people
1: took that and said, well, if, you know, somebody said, well, the mayor said this is everybody's backyard. Well, I said, it's going to be everybody's neighborhood, but I like the fact that they consider it now everybody, it's, it's the community's backyard. We've got rocking chairs in the back. We've got uh, tables in the front. People just mm-hmm. show up and they they have lunch, just yeah. ordinary citizens show up. I'll go out and, and, and when the weather's nice, there'll be people out there rocking. You know, that's what I say, we want to create this environment where people want to come here and hang out and be with other people. Mm-hmm. We built, built this building not only to be as publicly accessible as it could be, but as publicly usable as we could be. In the lobby area, we've got those little cubbies where the goal is is, you know, right now people go to Starbucks to hold little neighborhood meetings or small business meetings. We want them to come grab a cup of coffee, and they can go in there, it's a little privacy. You don't have to sign up, just show up. If one's empty, sit there. You can have, I go in and there are citizens there having their meetings, a cup of coffee, a Danish or something, and uh, that's, that's why we built it. We wanted it to be much more, as I say, than just a warehouse for government operations. We wanted this to be a community center that people felt ownership of and felt some some ownership in, mm-hmm. and and I think we've accomplished that at least in the early going. In a large city, it's 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 the thing that surprises me and concerns me, is the number of people who live in a subdivision in a neighborhood, who don't know the neighbors two or three or four houses down the street, mm-hmm. you know, and you become very you can become very isolated. Mm-hmm. And in a city this size, if you don't want to be bothered, it's big enough that you can kind of hide <laughs> out and not be bothered. But I think most people. Feel that we'd like to have that commitment, mm-hmm. that, that that connection to to their neighbors. It's just that you know we don't have the front porches that everybody used to sit out on, and people walk up and down the sidewalk, and you'd stop and have a conversation with people. Uh, our, our our neighborhoods aren't built like that, so we have to create opportunities for people to
0: connect, mm-hmm. uh, and that's that's uh, that's our primary goal in putting this. The, the, what, building it the way we built it. Yeah. Why Sandy Springs versus, you know, I don't want to name names, but our, <laughs> our closest neighbors. Anybody else. Anyone else I mean, else. <laughs> else. In the metro I, mean I, I tell everyone all the time why I moved here and why I decided to move my family here. I mean, you know, there was definitely a, a big appeal for the public-private partnership, particularly like for new home buyers or for uh, people that are maybe in the surrounding area or even that live in Atlanta. Why would they come to Sandy Springs or what would what do you think would appeal to most people? Well, it's a quality of, of life. life.
1: I mean, it truly is. I mean, one of the great things about this is we've got great neighborhoods. We've always had great neighborhoods, and the challenge is how do we make sure we preserve those great neighborhoods? We don't when when we go when we're dealing with development and redevelopment, you want to make sure that you preserve the things that made you great to begin with. And and neighborhood level Uh, quality of life has always been phenomenal in Sandy Springs. Uh, We have have become more of an urbanized community uh, because of location. Uh, We've got the perimeter market just to our east. We've got the Cumberland market and the new Braves complex just to our west. Uh, And so there's a lot more commercial development, a lot more business development going on here, and there's pressure on us. And trying to make sure we, we, we achieve that balance is, is, is the, one of the one of the challenges that we face. But the reason, what I tell people is I want Sandy Springs to be the most envied community in the metropolitan Atlanta area. I want to do things so well that everybody looks to Sandy Springs as that's how you do it. That's how you do it. Hmm. You know, and, and, and to a large degree, we have achieved that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get people, all not only just in the metropolitan Atlanta area, but people all over the state when I go to the municipal meetings or I'm on the state economic development board and I go around the state. Uh, people, people know about us, and they know that we take on big projects and, and aren't afraid of big ideas here, uh, and all of them designed to improve the quality of life. Uh, and so that's, that's, that's our goal, is and, and then make sure that the quality of the services that you get. We don't refer to people here as citizens or taxpayers, they're customers. Hmm. We treat them as if we're a business and those people have the option of going somewhere else to get their services. And the truth is, every four years they do, they can replace (laughs) management whenever they get ready. Sure. So, but it's all in setting the right kind of culture too. I mean, we've been very fortunate that we haven't had the kind of political infighting on our council. Uh, We've got a lot of stability in our staff at the senior level, our our council gets along well. Uh, Whenever there's a big decision that we have to make, particularly on land use, I've never heard a member of council ask the question, well, how much tax revenue will we get off this? The questions always are involving What's this, what's this going to do to the quality of life? Mm-hmm. How is this going to improve the quality of life? Is it going to add congestion? Is it, you know, can we manage this in a way that's not going to detract from uh, all the things that we are trying to preserve and enhance? Uh, so when you bring that kind of mindset, and I told when, during the referendum, I, had, I ran the referendum during the 2005 uh, uh, municipalization campaign, as I was going around, i tell people, I said, look, the day's coming when you'll be just as angry at the council as you ever were at the Fulton County Commission. That's just the nature of local government. But the difference is you can see us at church, you'll see us at the Rotary Club or the chamber meeting or in the grocery store or just walking down the street, and you'll be able to come up to us and say, hey, knucklehead, what were you (laughs) thinking? And we'll have an opportunity to explain. Mm -hmm. And uh, you don't have to drive down to the courthouse uh, and see a, a a commissioner who lives 50 miles away. Uh, we're in here in the neighborhood. We are living in with the decisions that we make. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're subjected to, the. as I said earlier, I am subjected to the same challenges that every other citizen has and so every decision I make is going to have an, an, an impact on me and my family just as it's going to have an impact on you and your family. Mm-hmm. So we take that into consideration in all the decision making. It's just that that's the nature of local government. It's mm-hmm. the hardest level from the point of view you're making decisions that really affect people's lives on a daily basis mm-hmm. and really where they live. And so you have to be aware of that. You can't always make the—I I tell people, they say, Come on, well, I don't like the decision you made. I said, well, I didn't like it either. Well, then why did you make it? I said it was the best option in a range of bad options mm-hmm. that we had to choose from. Right. And that's just the nature sometimes of, of what you have to do. But we live here and we have to encounter our neighbors and we have to answer uh, sometimes uh, from very exercised constituents (laughs) about uh, about these things and that that brings a certain thoughtfulness
0: I guess to to the process well and I think you know intent goes a long way right because as you said before you live here right you are accessible you 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 know I know you're very active on social media and so it's not It's not difficult to get your ear um, particularly if it's something that's near and dear to your heart Um, but at the same time I mean I you know I think it's a it's a difficult position to put yourself in as, as the CEO as the mayor of the city like this because there are so many people it isn't an enormous area but there are tons of great things going on around the city and and you know, we're in a unique spot geographically, but additionally, we have a lot of uh, community assets. Yeah. I mean, tons of parks, yeah. certainly this new facility, but beyond the places of the people. Mm-hmm. And there, there are countless organizations across the city. Um, I know that, that you've been involved with and that you have close relationships with in the past. Um, you know, I'd like for you just to talk about the organizations, the nonprofits that really are are almost like the backbone. That's one of the things that uh, I think one of the real assets that we
1: have, it's it's one of the most engaged communities I've ever experienced. I I used to run community planning and development for the whole country when I was uh, acting assistant secretary for community planning and development at HUD and I worked in that department as a deputy assistant uh, before I was promoted and um, so I've seen the mistakes that, that other communities make and this is a really Highly engaged community, and I think the reason for it was communities go through cycles. They, uh, you have an area that that settled. You know, in, in the sixties and seventies, when this area was first being developed, you had a group of people who moved out here. It's virgin territory; it had been farmland. It's just beginning to get developed. They saw, they created something very interesting, something neat, and then other people saw it and they started moving here. And what happens is, in most communities in this dynamic cycle, one day the Pioneers wake up and say, hey look, this is not what we came here for. And they're off and they're going somewhere else to, to uh, start something else new. What happened in Sandy Springs was, the Pioneers stayed. Hmm. They felt this was a community that was worth fighting for. And they fought for it in the face, not just of benign neglect from the governing authority, but really malevolent neglect. I mean, we really had an adversarial relationship with the people who were supposed to be providing services to us. And they could have left, they were affluent enough to decide to move on, but they chose to stay here and fight for their community because they believed that there was something special about this area. And how they coped with that was they created a lot of, of citizen groups and organizations that were largely designed to be kind of a shadow government, to provide services in the absence of governmental services. Mm -hmm. And so you had all these nonprofits that grew up, they're really just, you call them nonprofits, they're really just citizen organizations that took on specific tasks in the community. And they built up a a, a constituency and a following and a support group and boards of directors. And they they provided the services that the community wasn't getting. When we started the city, we recognized very quickly that we had built a gym in the face of adversity in these outside groups, these citizen groups. And one of the things that we worked really hard was to make sure we, even though the city would be, in some cases, taking over some of the responsibilities that they had assumed through the years, we wanted to preserve that kind of citizen engagement. And you got the community action center which helps with low-income families and really provides the social services for for the city it's a private group they take the public money that they get from us and other organizations and they go out and leverage it with private funds and do a much better job than a lot of the government agencies that, that I've worked with who try to do similar things uh, you got you talked about leadership Sandy Springs you know we we, we have a real history of taking Newcomers to the city and getting them engaged, teaching them about the community and leadership has taken that role. We have the civic roundtable where all the nonprofits come together on a monthly basis and they talk about the challenges and the problems that they have. We have Heritage Sandy Springs. We've got Sandy Springs Society, which goes out and raises a lot of money. They provide the capital for a lot of things that happen through the years. All these citizen groups, they're self motivated, self organized, and and, and one of the things we were very conscious of when we became a city was not to rob that, that energy, that engagement that came through that process. And they're still very active, uh, all, virtually all of those groups. The only one that really went away was we had an organization called Sandy Springs Revitalization that was looking at this downtown area about building sidewalks and developing you know, capital projects to help uh, uh, with traffic and sidewalks and walkability the city really did have to replace them and they understood it. But by and large, most of the rest of the citizen groups that were engaged for 20, 30 years in this community are still active and still performing very valuable
0: services. And that citizen and community engagement is uh, is a hallmark of this community. Hmm. Having lived here now long enough to understand and see things, it's definitely very different. It is different. It is very, very different. different. And it, it oftentimes takes living somewhere else to understand how much diff if you've been here for the last twenty or thirty years, you've been here longer than we've been a city. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and things have changed, yeah. right? And and if you've the only been here fifteen years, you've been <laughs> here longer than we've been a city. what do you see as kind of the next big step for us? Obviously this is a this was a huge undertaking. I um I saw a little update from three years ago that there was Basically, this is just a big hole in the ground three years ago, and now here we yeah, are. three years ago, this was about six. We were sixty feet below street level <laughs> right. right about this area. So, what do you think is? And obviously, you don't have a crystal ball. You don't know ultimately what's going to happen. But, you know, maybe as a citizen, but also as the mayor, as a visionary, what do you think is the next big thing that's gonna kind of come to us? Well, first
1: of all, you know, a community—it's kind of like your house you know, you buy your house. Let's say your, your house was built in the 1980s and, and you don't do anything to update that house and modernize it, uh, and you get ready to sell it in 2018. You're not gonna get the return on it because somebody that's gonna buy that house is looking at not what it is, but what it could be.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Same way with communities. If you're not kind of updating yourself and reinventing yourself and keeping up with expectations on a regular basis, you're becoming stagnant and that's one of the things that we we have really done I, I think a good job of trying to understand uh, kinda of where the community wants to go what it would like to see but beyond that also thinking about what the future is bringing I talked about it a little bit earlier about that in making sure that in the infrastructure that we build and, and update that we're making it flexible enough that it, that it can adapt and that's kind of that's kind of where we are right now. We don't know the the, the pace of change particularly from technology is so rapid. You can't anticipate everything mm-hmm. that may come down the pike. But what you can do is try to remain flexible to to create opportunities so as change happens, you can adapt to it. And that's the mindset that I think this community really does have. It's about making sure that we rethink our, about who we are and what we need and what, where, where the world is going, and where our, how we need to adapt to that. That's something that we've been very uh, adept at doing uh, and, and keeping up. I think that's why we're such a, a popular place, place right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about it, you know, you're right. You can be anywhere in the metropolitan Atlanta area within 30 minutes. I mean, what is, and, and to some degree, the metropolitan Atlanta area has shifted here. I mean, we've got when, when when you look at lifestyle, what are the things you care about? Well, first of all, healthcare. We got three world class hospitals right here. I mean, we probably have the best healthcare facilities at least in the southeastern United States. Maybe you could argue in in, in the entire country, you wouldn't get better healthcare anywhere. Uh, what 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 makes you know retail? You know, we're in the center of the retail world in the metropolitan Atlanta. Right on our southern border, you've got. Linux and Philips, you've got Perimeter right by, I mean, you've got all the retail and shopping. When I became mayor, we were kind of a restaurant desert. Mm. You know, we, we couldn't even get our own people to support our, uh, other than a handful of restaurants. But right after I became mayor, we started the restaurant council where they could promote each other and, 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 and kind of work together to get our own people to, to, to frequent our own restaurants. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been able to do that. Now we're getting unbelievably quality restaurants here. Uh, and our people are, are just excited. They don't have to go to Roswell or Dunwoody or Midtown or Buckhead mm-hmm. to have a great meal. Mm-hmm. They Get in the car in two minutes or in some neighborhoods you just simply walk <laughs> down the street to a, a world-class restaurant. That's, a, that's a, an amazing change that's really happened since we become a city. So it's those kind of things that really do contribute to the quality of life. Um, that I think make us such a, a hot prospect. It's also, it, it does come down to leadership. We've got, and not only, it's not just me or the council, it's, it's a, that, as I talked about a little bit earlier, that citizen engagement uh, that's so pervasive here. We have a community of leaders and they have very high standards and we all work together to try and maintain those standards. Mm-hmm. And, and, and all of it is focused on making sure that you come here, you, you 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 can raise your kids here, you can get the educational opportunities you're looking for. I mean, we've got great public schools. We've got a wide variety of private schools. Uh, virtually all the Jewish day schools in metropolitan Atlanta are here. And you can kind of tailor your your educational experience for your kids based on your own desires and needs. If you're a public education person and that's, you're a product of public education. You want your kids to have a public education. We got great schools here. But if you're, you know, if you have a certain religious tradition and you want to reinforce that in your family, you've got the opportunity to do that here. Or you want a great private prep schools? We got them. So we, we 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 give it all gets around to making sure that your quality of life fits what you and your family really need and are looking for in a place. I mean, we've got some challenges our housing costs are a little high uh, it's and that's one of the things I'm working on I've got five kids and not a single one of them can afford to live in the, in, the, in the town in which they grew up well that's a problem we've got you know our police officers we got a great as you mentioned a great police force great firefighters we have teachers nurses people who have to drive long ways to go to work we've got to figure out how we can incorporate a, uh, find a solution for uh, middle-class families and working-class families to be able to get home ownership opportunities, not just rental. I mean, it's, it's, it's the, still the greatest source of family wealth in this country is a single-family home or some, some kind of home ownership. And uh, we've kind of lost that connection and we need to be able to reconnect people back and, and be able to lower the uh, rungs of the economic ladder so more people can get on it and you do that through ha- home ownership. I'm a great. I'm a great proponent of that. That's how I built, whatever family wealth we have is yeah. through. I bought a little starter house for thirty-five thousand dollars years ago, and we moved up, traded, and and moved up now. We got to figure out how we can uh, do a better job of getting uh, younger, uh, middle-class families their roots settled here. That's how. That's what made this. community. mean, we had a lot of people who moved here. When their kids were young, they established their lives here. They raised their families here, and you need to keep that cycle going. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's our, one of our biggest challenges yeah. right
0: now. Very good. Well, Mayor, I appreciate it very much. Yeah. Thank you so Thanks, much buddy. for the time for today. Coming
1: in.